0: أشهد أن لا إله إلا الله، sharikha lehu wa aisha the la muhammadan Bismillah al-Rahman al-Rahim. Alhamdulillahirabbil alamin. Al-Rahman rahim Malik Din. Aya كان nabodu aya ka nabastaheem. Ayya ka nabodu aya ka nabastaheem. Ayya يا أيها الذين آمنوا كتب عليكم one كما كتب one for men can't من them without suffering. For it often, <karaoke> <goodbye> <BU pagar> He the best شهر رمضان الذي شهر رمضان شهر رمضان الذي أنزل فيه القرآن خذَ الناس وبين الناس الخدا والفرقان فمن الشهر فمن منكم الشهر I ومن كان مريضاً who is the one who is يريد الله وَلِتُكَبِّرُوا اللَّهَ عَلَىٰ مَا هَدَاكُمْ وَلَعَلَّكُمْ تَشْكُرُونَ وَإِذَا سَأَلَكَ عِبَادِي عَنِّي فَإِنِّي قَرِيبٌ وجيبوا دا وتد دا إذا دانه
1: After reciting the Tashahud, Tawbuz, and Surah Al Fatiha, Hazrat Khalifa masih V, Ayyadah Allah Ta'ala Bin Asr al Aziz, recited verses 184 to 187 of Surah Al Baqarah. The translation of these verses is as follows. O ye who believe, fasting is prescribed for you as it was prescribed for those before you, so that you may become righteous. The prescribed fasting is for a fixed number of days, but whoso among you is sick or is on a journey shall fast the same number of other days, and for those Who are able to fast only with great difficulty is an expiation, the feeding of a poor man. And whoso performs a good work with willing obedience, it is better for him, and fasting is good for you if you only knew.
2: The
1: month of Ramadan is that in which the Qur'an was sent down as a guidance for mankind with clear proofs of guidance and discrimination. Therefore, whosoever of you is present at home in this month, let him fast therein. But whoso is sick or is on a journey, shall fast the same number of other days. Allah desires to give you facility, and He desires not hardship for you, and that you may complete the number, and that you may exalt Allah for His having guided you and that you may be grateful. And when my servants ask thee about me, say I am near, I answer the prayer of the supplicant when he prays to me, so they should hearken to me and believe in me that they may follow the right way. This year, once again, by the grace of Allah Almighty, we are blessed with the opportunity of passing through the month of Ramadan. However, we should always remember that simply experiencing and passing through the month of Ramadan is not enough. Or to simply keep the fast by eating in the morning for sahri, and then eating at the time of iftari in the evening and opening the fast is not enough to fulfill the actual purpose of fasting. In fact, alongside fasting, Allah the Almighty commands us to bring about a virtuous change within ourselves. Allah the Almighty has given us various commandments with regards to fasting, and He has given us the glad tidings that by acting upon these commandments, he will grant us His nearness and accept our prayers. I have recited a few of the verses which contain these commandments. And in the verses which I have just recited, Allah the Almighty has drawn our attention towards the obligation of fasting. Similarly, Allah the Almighty has also stated that if a person is ill or has any other valid reason and is exempt from fasting then they should complete the fast after the month of Ramadan. And if it is a long-term illness and one cannot complete the fast later then they should give the fidya i.e. charity. However, it should be remembered that even if one can complete the fast later and one has the financial capacity then it is better to still give fidya. Then, along with mentioning the importance of the Holy Qur'an as well as its revelation, Allah the Almighty has also stated that reciting it and acting upon its teachings is a means of guidance and strengthening our faith, as well as a means of strengthening our relationship with Allah the Almighty and understanding the teachings which He has sent. Moreover, Allah the Almighty has also given us the glad-tiding that, O Prophet, tell my servants that I am near them and I hear their prayers and accept them. And with regards to Ramadan, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, has stated that Allah the Almighty descends to the lowest level of the heavens, meaning he hears the prayers of his servants a great deal. But Allah the Almighty has stated that if we desire for Him to hear our prayers, then we must obey Him and act upon His commandments. But this should not only be in the month of Ramadan, but we must make these virtues a consistent part of our lives and we must strengthen our faith. Thus, there are certain preconditions for the acceptance of prayer and when we beautify our prayers according to these conditions then we will find that Allah the Almighty grants us His nearness and also hears our prayers. At this time, I will present some sayings of the Promised Messiah regarding prayer, its importance, and how we should improve our actions. And also in relation to this, I will present some of his sayings regarding the conditions for the acceptance of prayer, its philosophy, and its deeper meaning. There are many of us who pray superficially and then say that Allah the Almighty did not accept our prayers. It is as if Allah the Almighty should have accepted whatever they had asked for. In other words, they claim that God forbid Allah the Almighty is bound to do as they say. and that they can command Allah the Almighty as they please, regardless of their own deeds. However, Allah the Almighty has clearly stated that this is not the case. First, we must do, as Allah the Almighty states, and we must mold our actions according to the teachings of the Holy Qur'an. While an atmosphere of doing virtuous deeds has been created during the month of Ramadan and there are various lessons of the Holy Qur'an being given, then we should listen, ponder over and act upon the guidance of Allah the Almighty and His commandments. We ought to analyze and see how firm our faith is. For example, does our faith waver when we are faced with some sort of hardship or trial? In any case, this is a matter in which man must take the first step and when one reaches its heights, then it kindles the mercy, kindness and grace of Allah the Almighty. Therefore, it is of the utmost importance for us to understand this. On one occasion, the Promised Messiah salatu was salaam, stated that prayer is the pride of Islam and this is something which Muslims are very proud of. But remember that prayer is not the mere utterance of words. Rather, it is when the heart fills with the fear of Allah the Almighty And the soul of the supplicant flows like water before the divine threshold. And it seeks forgiveness for its weaknesses and faults from the all-powerful and almighty God. And this is a state which in other words can be called death. And when this state comes about, then it can be certain that the door of acceptance has been opened for it. And it is then granted a special ability, grace and steadfastness to keep away from evil and remain firm upon virtue. Above all others, this mean is the greatest. Thus, this is the true manner of prayer and attaining the nearness of Allah the Almighty and having one's prayers accepted and keeping away from sin. These days many people ask how they can know if their sins have been forgiven and that Allah the Almighty is pleased with them. Here the promised Messiah alayhi salatu has outlined a basic principle and that is that if one establishes a true and lasting connection with Allah the Almighty for which one made a true effort then Allah the Almighty in return bestows such a blessing upon him which grants such a person the steadfastness to be free from sin. And not only is one able to be saved from evil but he is also granted the ability to carry out virtuous deeds on a continuous basis. And if this is not the case, then one cannot say that they have attained the nearness of Allah the Almighty. Therefore, one becomes a true servant only when they begin thinking along these lines and act accordingly. And this is something which we should strive to achieve during this month of Ramadan and as I stated earlier that I will present some sayings of the promised Messiah before you in relation to prayer with regards to the acceptance of prayer on one occasion the promised Messiah stated The subject of the acceptance of prayer is in fact a branch of the subject of prayer. It is a matter of fact that a person who does not comprehend the basic principle will encounter difficulty in comprehending a branch and will remain in ignorance. In other words, in order to understand something one must understand the core principle and if one does not understand the core principle, then no matter how many explanations are presented, the matter cannot be comprehended. The promised Messiah, alayhi Salatu further states, the principle of prayer is that there is a mutually attractive relationship between a pious servant and his Lord. In other words, an ability to be attracted to it. And so, to begin with, The grace of God Almighty draws a servant to itself and then, through his sincerity, the servant approaches close to God Almighty. Thus, if a person strives with a pure and sincere heart, then Allah the Almighty will draw close to man. And in prayer, that relationship, when it arrives at a certain stage, manifests its wonderful qualities. The Promised Messiah further states that when a servant being confronted with a great difficulty leans towards God Almighty with perfect certainty, perfect hope, perfect love, perfect fidelity and perfect resolve and becoming extremely alert and tearing aside the veils of heedlessness advances far into the fields of the discarding of self. In such an instance, then what does one see? He beholds in front of him the court of the Divine and that he has no associate. At this point, one can see God alone, and nothing else remains in view. Then nothing in the world holds any meaning except for God. The promised Messiah, Allahi Salatu Wassalam, states that when one reaches such a stage then his soul prostrates itself at that threshold and the power of attraction that is invested in him draws the bounty of God Almighty towards itself. Man has been bestowed with the power of attraction and reaching such a stage they draw the bounties of God Almighty. And then God the Glorious addresses himself towards fulfilling the purpose of the supplication and casts the effect of prayer on all those preliminary means. In other words, Allah the Almighty casts His effect on whatever methods or processes are required to fulfill that
2: prayer.
1: Subsequently, they give rise to the means that are necessary for the achievement of the purpose of that prayer. For example, if the prayer is full of rain, then on its acceptance, the natural means that are needed for rain are created by the effect of the prayer. Similarly, if one utters a curse for famine, the all-powerful one creates the contrary means. The promised Messiah then further states, the source of thousands of miracles that were manifested by the prophets and the wonders that have been exhibited throughout by the saints was prayer. And it is through the effect of prayer that extraordinary events display the power of the all-powerful.
2: There are
1: countless prophecies mentioned in the Holy Quran And also we see that many prophecies were fulfilled during the time of the promised messiah and many pious people saw the fulfillment of their true dreams as a result of which one can feel the effects of prayer. All this is only possible when one sincerely inclines towards Allah the Almighty. Explaining further, the promised messiah states, Allah the Almighty states, that is, a person who strives in our cause shall be shown the ways that lead to us. Thus, Allah the Almighty placed the responsibility of striving upon mankind. And along with this promise, we have also been taught the prayer Idina Sirat Mustaqim, that is, guide us on the right path. On the one hand, Allah the Almighty has promised that if one strives in God's path, he will surely guide them to the correct path and at the same time he taught the prayer Ihdinas Sirat al that guide us in the right path. The promised Messiah further states Therefore, man ought to keep this in mind and supplicate fervently in their formal prayer. And also, he must instill the desire to be included among the group who achieved success and insight. Lest he departs from this world blind and bereft of insight. Thus, Allah the Almighty states, "Man fi wa fil meaning, "Whoso is blind in this world shall be blind in the hereafter." In other words, those that are spiritually blind, one who is immersed in materialism in this life and has failed to recognize God, nor understands the wisdom behind prayer or the effects it contains and instead is immersed in materialism, then even in the hereafter, they will not be able to gain the nearness of Allah Almighty. The Promised Messiah further states that one ought to make preparations for the hereafter in this very life. The Promised Messiah Messiah, states This demonstrates that we must take our ability to see from this very world so that we may be able to witness the hereafter. Therefore, if one wishes to experience the next life in which one will gain the nearness of Allah Almighty, then one must develop the senses in this life in preparation for it. The promised Messiah states that in order to experience the next life, our senses are to be developed in this very world. And can it be conceived that Allah the Exalted would make a promise and then break it? The promised Messiah aleyhi salatu further states that a blind person is one who is bereft of spiritual insight and pleasure. A person who blindly follows the practices of their family just because they are born into a Muslim household is called a Muslim. In other words, a person follows heedlessly and does not carry out any deeds and is only a Muslim because he is born into a Muslim family. The <inaudible> <A> promised Messiah <inaudible> further states Similarly, a person who is born to a Christian family becomes a Christian. And this is the very reason that such people give no regard to God, the messenger, or the Quran. In fact, Even the love such people possess for religion is questionable. In other words, the religion of a person who is following blindly is questionable. And some remain in the company of those who act insolently towards God and His Messenger. This is wholly due to the fact that such people do not possess a spiritual eye. They are empty of love for religion. Does a person who is full of love desire anything that is at odds with the liking of their beloved, In other words, if one has love for someone, they are not prepared to listen to anything that is against their beloved. Hence, Allah the Almighty teaches that he is prepared to bestow his bounties if a person is prepared to receive them. Thus, the offering of this supplication prepares one to receive divine guidance. Therefore, during these days, we ought to constantly recite the prayer, Sirat al That is, that may Allah the Almighty guide us in the right path and purify our hearts. And may Allah the Almighty enable us to become His true worshipper and also enable us to fulfil the rights of Allah's servants, lest we become like the extremists that are witnessed today who are carrying out injustices in the name of God and the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon Him. We pray that may Allah the Almighty protect everyone from the evil of such people. Then there are some people who say that they have sinned to such an extent that Allah the Almighty will never forgive them. And some people ask the question as well whether a person who has sinned a lot will be forgiven. And some people, thinking that they will not be forgiven, fall deeper into sin. But in reality, Satan puts this thought in their hearts and uses these ploys to distance one from God. And such people are then firmly in the grips of
2: Satan.
1: But explaining the ways to escape the clutches of Satan the Promised Messiah salatu salaam, states that the thought of having committed a plethora of sins ought not to hold back a sinner from supplication. One must never stop praying and think that they have committed too many sins. In fact, prayer is an antidote. Ultimately, such a one will observe how prayers serve to foster within him an aversion towards vice. In other words, prayer is the remedy to safeguard one from sin. And when one prays with steadfastness, then such a person will begin to dislike sin and Satan will run away. The promised Messiah further states that in the end, those steeped in sin who despair of the acceptance of prayer and do not seek recourse to repentance, lose faith in the prophets and their effects. And such people then move away from religion. And so, such people who move away from religion and by moving away from the Prophets, become Atheists. Therefore, even for people who are immersed in sin, Islam shows them a ray of hope. And Allah the Almighty has ordained the month of Ramadan each year to create this atmosphere and to seek repentance from sins. Therefore, we ought to derive benefit from this month. Then, whilst referring to a revelation vouchsafed to him, which was Ujeebu Duaika, the promised Messiah states, My compassionate Master, God Almighty has promised me clearly that, kulla that I will accept your every prayer. <laughs> the promised Messiah Salaam, states, However, I am well aware that the word kulla, every refers to those prayers which if accepted cause no harm. It does not mean that every prayer will be accepted. <laughs> Kul, ai, every means those prayers which will not cause harm. Promised Messiah, salatu wasalam, further states, On the contrary, where Allah the Almighty desires improvement and reform, then rejecting a prayer is also a form of acceptance. At times, a person is unsuccessful in achieving the result of their prayer, and one thinks that God Almighty has rejected their supplication, even though He has actually accepted the person's entreaty and acceptance is manifested in the form of a disapproval. In the specific case at hand, behind the apparent veil, in reality the real advantage and benefit lies in the supplicant's prayer being rejected. But since man is short-sighted and lacks foresight, giving importance to outward appearance, it is advisable that when he prays to Allah the Exalted and does not receive a result that seems apparently beneficial to his own preconceived notion, he should not think ill of God and conclude that his prayer has been rejected. In fact, Allah the Almighty hears the prayers of every supplicant, for He states, Uduni lakum, I pray unto me, and I will answer your prayer. The mystery and secret is that the greatest good and benefit for the supplicant lies in their prayer being refused. In other words, it is more beneficial for the supplicant if their prayers are rejected in that particular instance. Then further explaining this point, the Promised Messiah wasalam, states, This is the principle of prayer. In the acceptance of prayer, Allah the Exalted is not subject to our thoughts and desires. One may observe how dear a mother holds her child. She desires that no harm should come to her child. But if a child should cry and insist upon the absurd idea that they be handed a sharp dagger or a bright and glowing piece of coal, would the mother, despite her true love and compassion, ever approve of a child taking hold of a flaming piece of coal and subsequently burning their hand, or cutting their hand on the sharp blade of a dagger? Of course not. The underlying principle in the acceptance of prayer can be understood in light of this example. The promised Messiah further states, I am myself experienced in this regard. Where a detrimental aspect exists in a certain prayer, it is not accepted in the least. It does not mean that all the prayers will be accepted, for Allah knows best as He is the knower of the unseen. If there is a detrimental aspect in the prayer, then that prayer is not accepted. The Promised Messiah further states, one can easily understand that our knowledge is not definitive and without its faults. There are many things we do with great pleasure considering them to be blessed and in our own view we consider their outcomes to be blessed as well but ultimately they turn into a grief and affliction that clings to us. We see many examples of this today as well and even in the letters I receive on a daily basis People pray for something and then try their utmost to forcibly achieve it. However, their results are not encouraging. And as a result of this they harbour grievances against Allah the Almighty saying that they began this work by praying a lot and also gave charity. Yet the result was not beneficial for them or that their prayers were not accepted. Therefore, firstly, it is important to know that has that individual prayed the utmost as has been mentioned and have they formed a relationship with Allah the Almighty as is required. If the answer is in the negative, then as the promised Messiah has stated that it is mere lip service. And if a person has prayed to the utmost capacity and then Allah the Almighty has rejected the request or the results were not positive, then there was some divine wisdom behind this decision and it would be beneficial for that individual. And if a person stresses on a matter and he was wrong to do so, then instead of harbouring grievances against Allah the Almighty, such an individual ought to seek forgiveness and accept that it was their own mistake for trying to chase after something that was not agreeable in their favour. There are some people who pray and say that, O Allah, even if it is not beneficial for me, still accept this prayer. And this has been the case in certain marriage proposals as well. And Allah the Almighty heard that individual's prayer and he was married where the person desired, but after a short while it ended in divorce. Therefore, one should not pray in this manner. At times, in order to teach the person a lesson, Allah the Almighty accepts the prayer of a person which is not in their favour. But, when that person sees the outcome, then they seek forgiveness and repent. In any case, the Promised Messiah states, Hence, it cannot be said that all the desires of man are free from harm if fulfilled. Man is but a mixture of faults and errors. In other words, man is susceptible to committing errors. Thus, as one would assume, and as is the case, some of his desires are injurious. If Allah the Exalted were to accept such desires, this would clearly contravene Divine Mercy. Certain entreaties are harmful to the person and if Allah the Almighty holds that individual dear to him, then he does not accept their prayer because it contravenes His Mercy. and God Almighty does not allow harm to befall His beloved servants. The Promised Messiah further states, It is a matter quite sure and certain that Allah the Exalted accepts the prayers of His servants and confers upon them the honour of acceptance, but not every foolish desire. It is not for every person. Inner emotion blinds a person to what is best in the long run and moves one to pray to their own detriment. They pray without thinking of the consequences of that prayer. However, Allah the Almighty, who desires the best for us in the truest sense and sees the ultimate end of all matters, rejects the prayer which he knows would bring about harm and detriment for the supplicant if it was accepted. This rejection of prayer actually constitutes an acceptance. This is the law of God for those who are dear to Him. Hence, those prayers which do not comprise the safety of mankind from calamity and adversity are accepted and harmful supplications are accepted by God in the form of rejection. The promised Messiah further states that I have received the following revelation countless times, as was mentioned earlier, Ujibu kulla du'aika, that I will accept your every prayer. In other words, this means that any supplication that is in essence beneficial will be accepted. This is how the Promised Messiah has interpreted the revelation in that the beneficial prayers will be accepted. The Promised Messiah further states, When I reflect over this point, my soul becomes filled with pleasure and delight. The first time that I received this revelation, about 25 or 30 years ago, I was immensely delighted that Allah the Almighty would accept those supplications of mine which I would make for my own person or my dear ones. Thereafter I understood that even the slightest miserliness must not be exercised by me in this regard, because this is a divine favour and Allah the Exalted has described the righteous in the following words وَمِمَّا رَزَّقْنَا هُمْ يُنْفِقُونَ That is, they spend out of what we have provided for them. Hence, I follow an established practice for my friends, whether they remind me or not, whether they inform me of a serious matter or not. I regularly pray for their welfare in matters pertaining to their worldly and spiritual affairs. Then, whilst explaining the various preconditions for the acceptance of prayer, the Promised Messiah states, However, pay heed with an attentive heart that there are certain preconditions for the acceptance of prayer. Some of them relate to the person making the supplication and some relate to the person for whom supplication is made. And it is necessary for a person who solicits someone else to pray for them to first fear Allah the Almighty themselves. This is an extremely important point. The one who requests another to pray for him should always instill the fear of Allah the Almighty within himself. Such people must remain in awe of God's being as he is the independent and besought of all. You should always remember that Allah the Almighty is not dependent upon anyone and to always fear Allah the Almighty. And they must make peaceful relations and worship of God a practice of life. These are all important aspects, in that they make peaceful relations and worship of God a practice of life. The Promised Messiah further states, they must please Allah with righteousness and piety. And when this is the case, the gate of the acceptance of prayer is open to such a one. When one fulfills all these preconditions, it is then that the gate of the acceptance of prayer is open for such a person. However, if a person displeases Allah the Almighty, ruins his relationship with him and wars with him, In other words, one does not adhere to the injunctions of Allah Almighty and fails to fulfill the rights of God and His creation, then his mischief and evil deeds become an obstruction or a mountain that stands in the way of prayer. In other words, they become like a wall or an obstruction like a mountain. And as a result, the door of acceptance is closed to such a person. The door of the acceptance of prayer is closed for such a person. And neither will one's own prayers be accepted, and nor will the prayers of the person whom they have requested to pray for them, will be accepted in their favour. The Promised Messiah further states, Hence our friends must save our prayers from going in vain, and must not allow for their path to be obstructed by any barrier that may be erected as a result of their own unacceptable actions. The Promised Messiah has stated, that if one's actions are not right, then his prayers will not be accepted in their favour. In fact, those actions will become like an obstruction in the path of acceptance. Then another aspect which is extremely important for the acceptance of prayers is that one ought to be completely firm in their beliefs. This is a fundamental condition and also that one should adopt righteous actions. The mention of adopting righteous actions has been explained earlier as well, wherein Allah the Almighty states that one ought to fulfill his injunctions and respond to his call. For this is fundamental and vital for the acceptance of prayer. Whilst expounding on this, the promised Messiah salatu states It is true to say that a person who does not perform appropriate action does not truly pray, but rather tests God. Therefore, before one prays, it is necessary to make full use of one's faculties and this is the meaning of the supplication just mentioned. First, it is incumbent upon a person to analyze their own beliefs and actions. It is the custom of God Almighty to bring about reformation through the use of means. In other words, if one has the means which are essential to bring about reformation and then seeks to bring about a reformation in themselves It is then that one is able to actually bring about a reformation. The promised Messiah further states, Allah the Almighty creates some sort of means which become the cause for a person's reformation. If one prays with utmost sincerity of the heart, then Allah the Almighty grants such means which enables one to bring about the reformation. Those people who say that when there is prayer, means have no use, should reflect. Do such foolish ones not realize that even prayer itself is a subtle means that gives rise to other means. Prayer in itself is a form of means which gives rise to other means. And the clause, ia gana abudu, thee alone do we worship, which precedes the supplication, iya gana thee alone do we implore for help, expounds this very point. In other words, we pray to Allah alone and then seek His help for the completion of our tasks. And this is what is being explained here. Therefore, this is the way of Allah that we observe, whereby He creates means. i.e. it is Allah the Almighty who creates the means. The Promised Messiah further states, Observe how God provides water to quench our thirst and grants us food to satisfy our hunger. But He does so through means. It is not the case that the thirst is quenched without it, or water just magically comes down immediately, or food is instantly provided. In fact, certain means are created through which one is able to acquire water and food. Therefore, this phenomenon of means functions as I have just described. Means must be created to achieve one's ends, because God has two names. Allah the Almighty states, Allahu Aziz and Hakima, that is, Allah is mighty, the wise. And by virtue of his name Aziz, i.e. the mighty, God does whatever is needed, and the name Hakim, i.e. wise, denotes that his every action is done with wisdom and done properly and adequately in accordance with the appropriate time and place. Just observe how plants and vegetation possess diverse properties. Even a tola or two i.e. a unit of measurement of terpithum is enough to clear the bowels. So too is the case with scimonia. Allah the Exalted has the power to clear a person's bowels without the use of any medicine or to quench one's thirst without water. Allah the Almighty has the power to clear one's bowels without any other means or quench one's thirst without water but it was necessary for mankind to learn of the wonders of nature. The Promised Messiah has stated that it was necessary that mankind learn the various wonders of nature. For the extent to which a person increases in their awareness and knowledge of the wonders of nature is the degree to which they are increased in their understanding of the attributes of Allah the Almighty. And this enables one to attain the nearness of God. Through medicine and astronomy we discover thousands of qualities present in nature. Thus, if one ponders from a spiritual perspective and for a scientist who believes in one God, then all of these various aspects of creation or any discovery they make will become a proof of the existence of Allah the Almighty and it will become a means of strengthening their faith. However, an atheist will perhaps just describe it as a mere coincidence, but the promised Messiah states that the reason why Allah the Almighty has revealed the wonders of nature is so that one understands that everything in life has a purpose. The Promised Messiah further states, they ought to adopt a way of righteousness i.e. taqwa because it is righteousness alone that sums up the sharia. If one were to briefly describe what sharia means, it could be said that its essence is taqwa i.e. righteousness. And there are many ranks and levels of righteousness However, if a seeker faithfully traverses the elementary ranks and levels of piety with steadfastness and sincerity, they ultimately attain the highest grades due to their virtue and desire to seek the truth. Allah the Exalted states, That is to say, that Allah the Almighty accepts the prayers of those who are righteous. The promised Messiah further states this is a divine promise and Allah the Almighty never fails in His promise. In this context, He states inna Allaha la yukhliful that surely Allah fails not in His promise. The promised Messiah further states righteousness is a necessary precondition for the acceptance of prayer and it cannot be separated or discarded or left out. And so, if a person desires acceptance of prayer in their own favour, despite their own negligence and misguidance, would such a one not be foolish and senseless? Therefore, it is incumbent upon our community that in so far as possible, each and every member must follow the ways of righteousness so that they can experience the pleasure and delight of the acceptance of prayer and partake of an increase in faith. Allah the Almighty states that one should believe in Him, and it is then that their faith will continue to strengthen. Then, whilst explaining the various forms of beneficence, the Promised Messiah a.s. states that one ought to remember that there are two forms of beneficence. Firstly, there is Graciousness and secondly, Mercy The Divine Grace of Rahmaniyat is that which was in practice even before our beings came into existence. For example, before anything else, through the insight of His eternal knowledge, Allah the Almighty created a heaven and earth and other worldly things and heavenly bodies, which would all fulfill some purpose in our lives, and so they do. It is humans that ultimately benefit from all of these creations, When goats and sheep and other animals are themselves beneficial to man, what benefit do they derive in the real sense? In other words, all of these have been created for the benefit of man, and they themselves do not derive any benefit as such. The Promised Messiah further states, Among those things that are physical, just observe how humans consume many exquisite and excellent forms of food. High quality meat is reserved for humans, whereas scraps and bones are thrown to dogs. At a physical level, The pleasures and comforts that humans enjoy are experienced by animals as well, but they are the primary privilege of mankind. Animals do not partake of spiritual pleasure. The spiritual pleasure is only experienced by humans and animals are not included in that. Hence, there are two forms of beneficence. Firstly, that which resulted, since the earliest times, even before our existence, in the creation of the elements and matter, and which are bound to our service. And all of these things were present even before our own existence, human desire or prayer by virtue of the demands of Rehmaniyat. In other words, these were all present before us and before our human desire and prayer and this is all due to Rehmaniyat, i.e. the Grace of Allah the Almighty. The Promised Messiah Salaam, states that the second form of beneficence is Divine Mercy, i.e. rahimiyat. That is to say, that when we pray, Allah the Exalted bestows. If one contemplates, it becomes evident that the relationship which underpins the law of nature is the exact relationship found to exist in prayer. Some people consider prayer to be a self-invented belief. However, I would also like to expound on the relationship that our prayer has with Allah the Almighty. The promised Messiah explains the relationship man has with prayer, and he states, When a child becomes restless with hunger and screams and wails for milk, a woman's breast begins to fill with milk. A child has no conception of prayer, but how do the cries of a child bring forth milk? Everyone is experienced in this regard. At times, it has been noted that a mother feels no milk in her bosom, but as soon as a child cries, milk begins to flow forth. Now, can our cries before Allah the Almighty bring forth nothing? Indeed, divine favour does flow forth and all our cries are heard, but those who are blind and consider themselves to be scholars and philosophers are unable to see. If an individual keeps in mind the relationship that a child has with its mother and reflects over the philosophy of prayer, it becomes very simple and easy to understand. The second form of beneficence teaches us that one form of grace is received by asking for it. If a person continues to supplicate, they shall continue to receive. Uduni astajib lakum, I supplicate and I shall accept. This is not an empty phrase, rather this is an inherent characteristic of human nature. Then, explaining the significance that to supplicate is human and to respond is divine, the promised Messiah والسلام, states that to supplicate is human and to respond is divine. A person who does not understand and accept this fact is false. The example of the child which I have just given clarifies amply the philosophy of prayer. The promised Messiah الصلاة, further states that the beneficence of graciousness and mercy are not two independent phenomena. Therefore, an individual who abandons one and seeks the other cannot benefit from either. The demands of graciousness are to develop within us the strength to benefit from the grace of God's mercy. It is the grace of Allah the Almighty that He has revealed to us the various paths and granted us the means and grants us the strength for that which we are able to receive by supplicating to Him. The grace of Allah the Almighty grants us the means to supplicate and to seek the grace of His mercy. The promised Messiah further states, One who does not do this is ungrateful for divine favor. The words, Iyaka na'budu, mean that we worship Allah alone whilst always giving due consideration to the apparent ways and means that He has made available to us. In other words, we worship through those apparent ways and means. The promised Messiah then gives the example of the tongue. The Promised Messiah states, If the tongue, which is the product of our nerves and muscles, i.e. the tongue is made up of nerves, arteries, saliva, muscles etc. and if it had not existed, we would not be able to speak. If one's tongue becomes dry, they cannot speak. If it does not have veins or arteries, then it will not be able to produce saliva and will become dry and um, one will not be able to move their tongue as a result. The promised Messiah further states that we were granted a tongue which for the purpose of prayer has the ability to articulate the very sentiments of our heart. We have been granted a tongue to express the sentiments of the heart and through which we speak. And if we never make use of our tongues to pray, then this is our own misfortune. There are many illnesses illnesses which if contracted by the tongue can deprive it of its ability to function all at once to the extent that a person becomes a mute. The Promised Messiah states, What a beautiful manifestation of Divine Mercy it is that we have been bestowed a tongue. Or perhaps the word Divine Grace is written here, that Allah the Almighty has bestowed us with a tongue out of His Divine Grace and then He has taught us the proper method of it to use, and this is also owing to His mercy. The Promised Messiah further states, Similarly, if the form of our ears become corrupted, we would not be able to hear a thing. So too is the case of the heart. If the state of fear and humility and the faculties of contemplation and reflection with which man has been vested become corrupted, then all of these faculties more or less become useless. Just observe those who are mad and see how their faculties become futile. Is it not then incumbent upon us to value these God-given favours that we have been granted? If we abandon the faculties that Allah the Almighty has blessed us with on account of His immense grace so that they should rot, then we are invariably ungrateful for the favours of God. Hence, remember that if you leave your faculties and strength to hang idle and offer prayer, then such supplications will be of no benefit. For when we have failed to make use of the gift that has already been bestowed to us, how can we be expected to make good and beneficial use of another? Therefore, through these examples, the promised Messiah has clearly explained that one ought to be grateful for his divine favours that he has bestowed upon them and utilize them in their best manner. Moreover, one ought to pray to Allah the Almighty to be granted the ability to make proper use of these faculties. And it is only then that one can truly do justice to his servitude to God. It is only then that one can truly be grateful for the divine favours that have been bestowed upon him. And it is this very gratitude that enables one to become a recipient of Allah the Almighty's grace. And then those faculties which are granted through His Divine Grace then enable one to partake of His Divine Mercy and one is able to witness the wonders of the acceptance of prayers. Then, further expounding upon this, the Promised Messiah states, Hence the words, I alone do we worship, proclaim that, O Lord of all the worlds, we have not abandoned the gift you have bestowed upon us already as a thing ruined and wasted. In the prayer I guide us on the right path we have been told that man should seek true insight from God Almighty, for if His grace and bounty do not come to our aid, we as humble human beings are plunged in such gloom and darkness that we cannot make recourse to prayer. It is the grace of Allah the Almighty that leads us to guidance and grants us help, otherwise man is extremely weak and is trapped in worldly endeavours and in its gloom and darkness. Such a person does not even have the opportunity to pray. The Promised Messiah further states, Until one derives benefit from the grace of God which reaches them through the bounty of graciousness, i.e., rahmaniyat and praise, no fruitful result can be attained. In other words, one has to pray to Allah the Almighty in order to come out from the darkness. The Promised Messiah alayhi salatu salaam, states that I found some time ago that even in British law in order to secure an agricultural loan one is required to furnish proof of some assets. Even here, if one wants to take a loan or a mortgage they have to make some initial payments or give something as a deposit. Therefore, one is required to furnish proof of some assets and to carry out some action from before. The Promised Messiah states that in the same manner one ought to keep in view the law of nature and ask, Have we made good use of that which has already been bestowed upon us? If having been blessed with reason, good sense, eyes and ears, we have not gone astray and have not pursued ways of foolishness and ignorance, then you shall receive further divine grace through prayer. If a person has not gone astray after having been granted all these faculties, Then, when they pray, they will be granted further blessings. Otherwise, there are warning signs of destitution and misfortune. Therefore, if one does not make proper use of these faculties which we have been bestowed with, then prayers cannot be of any benefit. In fact, in such an instance one becomes deprived and unfortunate. Therefore, we ought to pay particular attention to this. The Promised Messiah salatu then further states, in short, the acceptance of prayer has parallels in the law of nature, and in every area He manifests living examples. It is for this very reason that God has taught us the prayer, اِهْدِنَا السِّرَاطِ Mustaqim, سِرَاطِ ladina and Amta that He has guided us in the right path, the path of those on whom Thou has bestowed Thy blessings. This is the will and law of God Almighty, which none can change. In the supplication, اِهْدِنَا al Mustaqim," We ask God to perfect and complete our deeds. When one reflects upon these words, it apparently seems that this verse instructs us to employ the use of these words to supplicate so that we may be guided to the right path. However, prior to this verse, the words ganabudu" were i.e. Thee alone do we worship and Thee alone do we implore for help Tell us to benefit from this instruction first. In other words, in order to traverse the stations of the right path, one must employ their untarnished faculties to seek help from Allah. In other words, Thee alone do we worship and Thee alone do we implore for help signifies that if one wants to attain the right path, then they have to employ the faculties they have been granted by Allah the Almighty and seek help through them in order to follow the right path. The Promised Messiah further states Thus, regard for apparent means are also necessary and one who forsakes them is ungrateful for God's blessings. In order to perform virtuous deeds, one has to pray to Allah the Almighty. The Promised Messiah further states He granted us a tongue for prayer which can articulate the sentiments and desires of our heart. Similarly, God has instilled within the heart a nature of humility and meekness and has invested it with the faculties of thought and reflection. Hence, remember that if we forsake these strengths and faculties in prayer, then such a supplication will be neither beneficial nor effective. For when a person has made no use of the gift already granted to them, what benefit will they derive from another? This is why the words, Iyya gana'budu, which proceed, Idina sirat al-Mustaqim express that we have not left unused nor wasted away the gifts and faculties already granted to us by God remember the distinctive quality of graciousness is that it bestows the ability to benefit from the grace of mercy in this context when God Almighty states lakum, that pray unto me I will answer your prayer this is not a mere figure of speech in fact human dignity calls for it to supplicate is human and to respond is divine and a person who does not accept this is unjust. Prayer is a state of such bliss that unfortunately I am at a loss to find the words with which I can fully describe this joy and pleasure before the world. This can only be understood when one experiences it themselves. In short, among the conditions of prayer, firstly it is incumbent that one performs good deeds and believes. For such a one who prays without first rectifying their beliefs and performing good deeds puts God to test, as it were. And so, the fact is that in the prayer, Sirat al Mustaqim, i.e. guide us in the right path, the object is to implore God so that He may perfect and complete our actions. Then with the words صراط Ladina Anamta alayhim i.e. the path of those in whom Thou hast bestowed Thy blessings, It is made even more clear that we seek guidance to the path of those upon whom God has bestowed his blessings and we implore God to save us from the path of those who have incurred divine displeasure and who on account of their evil deeds are the subject of God's chastisement. Furthermore, reference to those who have erred indicates that we have been taught to pray so that we may be safeguarded from going astray, for without God's support we would wander in misguidance. Therefore, when one recites the Surah Al-Fatiha, they should ponder over this and pray in this manner. Then, whilst explaining that one should take the apparent means into consideration during prayer, the promised Messiah Al-Islam states, Take heed, the prayer which is referred to in the verse, اضعوني i.e. pray unto me and I will answer your prayer, is one which requires the spirit that I have just described. If a person's applications and humble expressions do not possess a spirit of sincerity, they are nothing more than squawks. Can anyone say that there is no need to make use of means? This is a misconception. The Sharia does not prohibit the use of means. And if you ask, is prayer not also a means? Or are means not synonymous with prayer? The very search for means in itself is prayer, and prayer in itself is a magnificent fountain of means. The physical design of humans, i.e. the form of their two hands and two feet, naturally guide and lead us to understand that we have been created to help one another. When this design can be observed in humans themselves, how astonishing and surprising would it be if one finds it difficult to understand the purport of the following verse Ta'avanu birri i.e. and help one another in righteousness and piety. Indeed, I proclaim that you even ought to search for means through prayer. In the context of helping your fellow man, I would not expect you to reject my conclusion when I have pointed out the internal system established by Allah the Almighty, which exists in your physical bodies and which serves as a perfect guide in this respect. And in order to clarify and further expound this fact to mankind, Allah the Exalted has instituted a system of Prophets, peace be upon them, on earth. It was and is within the power of Allah the Almighty, that if He so wills, He would have left the Prophets with no need to seek any form of assistance in their task. Yet still there comes a time when they are left with no choice but to announce, Man ansari Sari الله, that who are my helpers in the cause of Allah. But do the Prophets make this call in the form of a beggar who goes from house to house collecting scraps of bread? Not at all. Even in the words, who are my helpers in the way of Allah, there is majesty and grace. In actual fact, through this announcement, the Prophets desire to teach the people the importance of seeking recourse to apparent means, which is an aspect of prayer. Otherwise they have complete and perfect faith and believe in the promises of Allah the Almighty, and they know that the following promise of Allah the Exalted is definite and categorical and that is, that most surely we help our messengers and those who believe in the present life. The promised Messiah states and I believe that if God does not move a person's heart to help another how could anyone be motivated to do so? Thus, even the prophets require the use of apparent means, but they prostrate before Allah the Almighty, and it is Allah the Almighty Himself who grants them those means by inspiring the hearts of people and thereby grants them excellent helpers who have them further their mission. Then, explaining the purpose and importance of Salat in relation to prayer, the Promised Messiah states, The actual purpose and essence of the prayer is supplication. And supplication is a phenomenon that accords with the law of nature established by God Almighty. You may commonly observe that when a child weeps and cries and expresses anxiousness, a mother becomes extremely restless as well and gives the child milk. The relationship between divinity and servitude is similar in nature and cannot be understood by everyone. When a person falls at the gate of God Almighty with extreme humility, lowliness and meekness and presents his circumstances before God and requests his needs from Him, the grace that is inherent in divinity surges forth and shows mercy to such a person. Thus, the milk of God's bounty and grace also requires tears. The Promised Messiah then further states, Those who suggest that there is no use in crying and weeping before God Almighty are false, and incorrect in their view. Such people do not believe in the being of Allah Almighty and in his attributes of power and control. If they develop true faith, they would never say such a thing. Whenever anyone has come in the presence of God and has turned to him with sincere repentance, Allah the Exalted has showered his grace on such a one. Thus, the one who has said the following verse is true indeed. That is, what sort of a lover is he whose state does not draw in the attention of the Beloved? Honorable Sir, the pain simply does not exist, for the physician is at hand. The Promised Messiah further states that God Almighty has always desired that you come to Him with a pure heart. The only condition is for you to make yourselves accord with Him and bring about within yourselves that true transformation which makes a person worthy of being presented before God Almighty. God Almighty possesses the most remarkable and wondrous of powers and He possesses boundless grace and blessings. But develop the eye of love so that you can see them and receive them. If a person possesses true love, then God Almighty listens to prayers in abundance and bestows His support. The Promised Messiah further states, In praise of the believers, the Almighty states, يَذْكُرُونَ اللَّهَ قِيَامًا That is, the believers are those who remember Allah standing, sitting and lying on their sides and ponder over the creation of the heavens and the earth. And when the intricacies of the universe are made manifest to them, they say, our Lord, you have not created this in vain." In other words, such believers do not just look at the creation of the universe and its intricacies like boldly people and simply ponder as to how it looks, the size of its radius, the nature of its gravitational pull, and its relation with the sun, moon and stars. Rather, upon learning of the absolute perfection in its creation and discovering the intricacies of the universe, they seek to find its creator and strengthen their faith. In other words, after acquiring knowledge, they prostrate before Allah the Almighty, just as I mentioned earlier, and they continue to strengthen their faith. And this is a notable and distinct quality of a true believer. These are just some aspects which I have presented from a great treasure which the promised Messiah has given to us and which shed some light on the importance of prayer, its wisdom, method and its philosophy. And if we begin to understand these, then we will be able to bring about an extraordinary change within ourselves and we will develop a special bond with Allah the Almighty and we will also become the recipient of Allah the Almighty's blessings. Thus, in this Ramadan, we ought to strive to attain the nearness of Allah the Almighty by fulfilling His commandments and to continue strengthening in our faith. May we develop a true understanding of the wisdom and philosophy of prayer and may we bring about a reformation in our actions. And may we become counted amongst those whose prayers are answered by Allah the Almighty.
0: May this Ramadan
1: enable us to bring about an extraordinary transformation in our relationship with Allah the Almighty and in our spiritual conditions. Also pray for your fellow brothers as well. I often request prayers for them whether they are living in Pakistan, Algeria or anywhere else in the world and are being made to endure hardships owing to their belief in Ahmadiyyat. In Pakistan there are incidents occurring on a daily basis whereby Ahmadis are made to suffer hardships in some form or another. Therefore, particularly pray for them. Similarly, in Algeria they are trying to reopen the cases against Ahmadis. So may Allah Almighty also keep them in His protection. By praying for others enables one's own prayers to be accepted. Therefore, one should always keep this point in mind. In fact, the angels pray for those who pray for others. Therefore, how beneficial of a deal it is in that the angels pray for such an individual. Thus, one ought to particularly pray for others and not just pray for themselves. May Allah the Almighty grant us the ability to do this, particularly during this Ramadan.
0: (laughs) Alhamdulillah Alhamdulillah, لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره whos the one whos the one whos وما ينلو فلا هذا لنا ونشهد إله إلا الله ونشهد أن محمدًا الله, رحمكم الله, إن الله يعمر we pray for you. We pray for you. We
1: well o the